Welcome back to this week's episode of Change My Mind. I'm Georgie Clark. Natalie Lee, also known as Style Me Sunday, is on a hashtag Shed Your Shame mission. She is the author of Feeling Myself, an incredible book that discusses her journey and experiences to feeling sexually liberated. She is also a trainee counsellor creating content online to spread healing and sexual freedom. Hi, Natalie. Thank you so much for coming on today. Hello. Thank, Thank you for you. being here. Um, I can't wait to talk all things sex, sexuality, and everything like that. We've just been having a brief chat about it before we began, and I feel like we're going to have a really good discussion here today. We definitely <laughs> are. We are. So, I read your book. For anyone who hasn't read it, definitely read it. It has, it kind of goes along your journey mm-hmm. of your experiences. I kind of, you start from beginning to end a bit in the book. Yeah. The chapters. Yeah. But of- you don't have to read it from beginning to end, because it is in quite kind of blocks isn't it so yeah. you could dip in and dip out if you want to yeah the chapters are all focused on a specific topic and that's what I really liked about it because there were some for me that I could really relate to yeah obviously like the motherhood one I couldn't really relate to as much but you know for others it would be important to them to listen to it mm. so firstly thank you for writing that book Pleasure. when did you write it I wrote it in lockdown. I've kind of like, kind of got a mental block because it was so bloody traumatic. That's quite a hard time to write a book like that. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, I knew that writing this book would be really healing for me. And it was ultimately one piece of the puzzle that I really needed to share my story and just it really did honestly help me shed my shame because there was there's nothing now that anyone has on me that they can like go yeah. oh by the way you remember when you did this yeah you actually ended the book with that and did I, I really liked that yeah <laughs> you ended the book saying remember. that I have shared everything so there is nothing that I ever need to feel like shameful or is being held against me like this is me unapologetically me and that must have been yeah incredibly liberating for you it really It really has been. And, you know, I used to suffer with imposter syndrome, like a lot of people, a lot. Mm. And that has like massively gone down because I I think it was, I was carrying that shame around with me. And I was like, what if they find out what I'm really like? What if they know all of the shit that has happened? And, you know, I think that just... It just makes you feel like shit. You don't even realise you're carrying it, do you? No. And But now it's out there. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I love that attitude. I have come to that part in my life, but I do believe at my early 20s, I really felt that. And I think it's such a journey because for some women, they can hold on to it for, for years and years and years and just feel, yeah, like this shame attached to sex. Yeah. What do you mean? You've come and you don't have any shame anymore? I don't feel like I do, no. I think I hit a point in my life where I... I don't know, I just... That's so weird. I wasn't expecting you to ask me that question. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is shame is so insidious, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't even realise we're carrying it. Mm. So just before we started this podcast, you were telling me that you felt really disconnected from your body. Yeah. That might be part of the issue like we don't always know we're carrying shame so yeah it's really important to 
like delve into the signs and symptoms that you might be experiencing that you might not associate with shame. Yeah. So that's actually a really good point. When I think about me feeling disconnected from my body, if I'm with a partner and we're, we're being intimate and having sex, yeah. I feel so connected to them. Do you? And I, I don't feel like anything other than present in that moment. Right. It's my own relationship when it comes to like, maybe it's a non-sexual thing, just my relationship with my body, like feeling, I feel very numb in my body. Right. There's no... I mean, when we think about sex, we think about it only as with a partner. And th that's not just what sex is. Mm. You know, you can have sex on your own. Your relationship with your body is really important. And mm. sex is one aspect of that. Um, but sex, you know, infiltrates all areas of your life. They, they can't really be disentangled. Is that a word? I'm going to use it anyway. Disentangled. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know... I don't know what your experience is like when you touch yourself or you feel, I should say, feeling yourself. Mm. Um, but, you it's know, I wonder. It's generally a positive experience is it? for me. And you feel connected to your body when you do. Yes, yeah. This is why I feel like it's less of a, potentially, I think it's more of a sexual trauma thing. Right. So I think that all the incidents that have happened to me, because I feel like every, every woman and friend that I have yeah. has, has had, whether it be a small incident or a big incident or multiple incidents, like you, that carry that carries in your body. Absolutely. And I definitely feel like I do carry it in my body. Um, this is why it's like when it's with the safety of someone I know, I feel yeah. like really liberated and I really enjoy it. If it's just with me, I feel that. But there must be, I was saying to you when I was in therapy, yeah. connecting to my body, I feel in like a, not in just a touch way, not a sexual touch way, just a touch yeah. way or a sensual way or something. It feels, yeah, like there's a massive block for me. Disconnect, yeah. A disconnect. And that's the thing. You are definitely not alone. I experienced that and I probably still do often. Mm. Um, but loads of people feel completely disconnected for, for, from their body. And there's lots of different reasons for that, isn't there? But I think especially as women, we are taught to view our bodies from an outside perspective. Yeah. We are so concerned with how other people are seeing us mm. that 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 is a disconnect. There's a disconnect there because yeah. we often don't even think about how we view it. We only care about how other people view it. And so there's that weird sort of perspective going on there for yeah. a lot of women. Yeah, 100%. And also a massive part of that will be sort of the male gaze. Like... And Absolutely. What's so silly as well is I was thinking about this the other day is that everybody is so self-involved. I don't think they really are thinking about what you look like. <laughs> They're thinking about what they look like. So we're all walking around thinking about what we look like and our relationships with our body, like feeling concerned about what everyone else is thinking. But realistically, people are much more selfish than we realise, like self-indulgent than we realise. We are so egocentric, it's ridiculous. No one else gives a fucking shit what you <laughs> look like. No one, no one's looking at your roles or whether you've got saggy tits or whether you've got yeah. one eye up there and one eye down there. It really, like, they don't care because yeah. they are only thinking about how you're viewing them. Yeah, because I've had friends speak to me and say, like, how do you overcome? Because I, 
I used to feel quite, that's actually when I was younger, I would feel a bit self-conscious right. about my body. Yeah. Um, I feel less so now. I feel like really at one with how I, like my relationship with my body has improved so much. That's good. So now when I, my friends say to me like, oh, how did you sort of get that way? I think a massive part of it for me was that, you know, if I'm with a man, I, I they're not looking at like, a roll on my stomach. They're no. just so happy to be involved in the situation. Like where their pants are down and we're having sex. They're just you happy know, to get their dick like, away. If you, <laughs> if you stop for one moment and look at the like the guy that you're having sex with, like for me, I'm like, you're just so grateful to be here. Yeah. And I don't think you really care. Like No. <laughs> and also, let's face it, most women are like much hotter than the men, aren't they? That they're having sex with. So they yeah. they are very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to actually what my first question was going to be. So you speak about trauma being an element of many women's sexual stories that we don't recognise as much as we should. Um, as I've mentioned, I can really relate to this. Um, and I think many other women can also. Have you done therapy? And is that sort of, if you have, is that the key to healing that part of you? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, yes, I have done therapy. I've done a shitload of therapy and spent a lot of money on Same. it. Same. <laughs> but I, um, I think I'm important enough to invest in myself. Yeah. So even if, you know, I am struggling, I will prioritise therapy because I do think it's really important. I don't think it is the only type of healing that can be done I've mm -hmm. used lots of different types of healing um I've done breath work I've done like no I can't think of any can I the yoni massage. I've done a yoni massage I just journaling as well has been massive for me like mm -hmm. journaling journaling out my thoughts um healing is multifaceted for me you know, when you do therapy, it's very cognitive. It's all to do with the mind. Mm -hmm. But there is a book called, wait a minute, what's it called? Something like The Body Keeps Score. The Body Keeps the Score. And it's so true. You're, even if cognitively you have worked through it, mm -hmm. you, you, you can still react in your body. You know, I notice now when my body tenses up because it's been triggered by something. Yeah. Even if I've worked through that trauma, that doesn't stop that happening. Yeah. So there's lots of different things that I use in my toolbox in regards of my healing. And um, it's definitely a kind of whole system approach and not just like separate thinking, body, yeah. you know, these are all, all interlinked. Connected. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the way we should look at it. I think in the Western world, we often don't really look at healing as in a whole system. Um, but I like to bring in kind of Eastern practices as well. Mm -hmm. And because it's not just old white guys who have the, you know, gold nugget when it comes to <laughs> theories on how you will heal your trauma. Yes. I actually, you know, there's so many other people who have things that are going to be of benefit to us too. And I think we should really look at that yeah but 
I was just going to say something about therapy, I think, because it, obviously it's a privilege and it costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you necessarily need to spend that money. Mm-hmm. There is lots of things you can do on your own. Yeah. I also think reading books yeah. and relating to someone else's journey and going through their healing with them Absolutely. can be so like cathartic for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, 100%. There's books that I've read that I is so the journey is so similar to mine. Yeah. And even by the time I finished the book, I feel like I've it. it's like feeling seen. Yeah. And validated. Oh, that is so important. Yeah. No, because the, the worst thing about trauma is you think that it's only you. You yeah. think you're the only one who is this freak of nature, the only one who feels like this. And, and that's a really lonely place to be. Yeah. And you can't work through anything if you think that you're some sort of monster, because ultimately that's how you feel sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, it, get, being seen is one of the most important things and resonating with other people's stories and hearing how they've worked through it mm-hmm. really helps us to process our own trauma. Yeah. And that's why I wrote the book. Yeah, 100%. I, I can, yeah, I can see that. And I think that book will help so many people who can relate to situations like you have been through. Um, you mentioned in the book that sex... Um, and shame was sort of hand in hand for you. Where did that link start? Um, I think I say in the book, I mean, as soon as I came out of the birth canal, I was I was a female. I, I yeah. was assigned female at birth. So, you know, already there's shame just smashed upon you when it comes to um, your body, how you look, how you're supposed to act, and that all it all comes into play. And I think, you know, society as a whole, religion is really detrimental in terms of trying to control us and trying to do that through shame. I agree with the religion yeah. massively. And I, I was brought up Catholic. I mean I was brought up Christian and yeah, yeah just with the Bible itself. Like, yeah. You also go on to say in your book about sex education, which was a massive thing that I oh. could relate to because that in a big part there felt like a lot of shame around sex education yeah it was or lack of yes yes what was the word that you said I think you said something in there um oh yes enemy one number one was teenage pregnancy and enemy number two was STIs like yeah the, isn't it weird it's like the the narrative you have as a woman is don't get pregnant don't get pregnant don't get pregnant if you get pregnant you will die and ruin your life yeah you there's nothing worse than getting pregnant and then I found the weirdest thing is like, like the minute you creep into late twenties, it's like, when are you getting pregnant? Are you getting pregnant? Have you got getting pregnant? What is that? And it's like you have to <clears throat> process this shift in expectation, expectation yeah. from society and family and friends and yeah. and it's like the most bizarre thing because I've gone my whole life trying not to get pregnant, yeah, and it's like over one year, everyone, where are you going to do it? Are you going to have a baby? When you going to have a baby? Oh, the clock's ticking. Da, 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 da. It's so boring. It's yeah, it really is. So sex education was oh, just it, it really it was a lack of education yeah. to be honest, a, a lack or misinformation, you know, or you, I don't know. I just th- sex education was so narrow. 
Yes. I didn't I didn't get taught how to explore my own body or even that it was okay to explore my own body. Yeah. You know, I learned about my body through somebody else touching it. Mm-hmm. And that's a real fucking shame because yeah. now I'm like redressing the balance. Well, your first experience, I think, really with a, your body should be you exploring exactly. it. And you learning about it and you being like, okay, this is this part, this is this part, yeah. this feels good. But you're right, like... Uh, where was there ever a mention of a clitoris? Exactly. Did you? <laughs> did you? Pleasure? I didn't did even you know, know what exist- a clit- I didn't know what a clitoris was. No, before you know, I, I was know a this midwife. Sounds bad, but I think I was probably like at least seventeen before I actually knew what it was. Yeah. Probably because someone I was with said it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god. Well, that's good. Yes, but you know, no, but 17's young. I mean, I don't know when I was, certainly not my boyfriend. They definitely didn't know what my clitoris was. <laughs> it's, it's when they're rubbing the side, isn't it? And you're like, yeah, no, that's my thigh. <laughs> yeah, that's my thigh. <laughs> um, yes. So, how did this kind of um, lack of sex education affect your own journey with self pleasure um, and sex at that age? Oh, yeah. It manifested in me not doing it Um, or if I ever did venture down there myself, I felt like I was going to get arrested or something. I was literally looking around the room to see if there's like hidden cameras that are going to like come and get me. You're going to be caught. Yeah. 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 And um, you know what? It's. I still get a little bit of that now sometimes, but I'm obviously, I know, I now know I'm an adult and no one's going to take me down for masturbating. But, you know, that is, it gets in there, doesn't it? It's really, really deep. Yes. I think it's, it's just from learning at school that the pleasure part was for boys and for girls, it was to pleasure them. Pleasure them. Yeah. yeah. We were not the priority in feeling pleasure. That no. was kind of the narrative that I felt from Absolutely. sex education. My, I think, and also another narrative is how well can you perform? Yes. Like, you said that yeah. in your book about, um, where was it? It was, uh, it taught you how to, with porn, it taught you how to put on a good show and you viewed sex like a performance. Yeah, I was fucking good at it as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting that, isn't it? It's not you weren't concerned about how it felt for you at all. Not at all. It and was all about yeah. the pleasure of the man. Yeah. And that is a like saying I was fucking good at it is not a, a good thing. That's not me going, yeah, I was so good at sex. It was because it meant that it was really shit for me. Yeah, because I wasn't. In my body. No. I was thinking, I was like arching my back, I was screaming, possibly scratching. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of performance. Yeah. And there was not at one point was I thinking, hold on, do I like this? Does this feel good? Mm-hmm. Or shall I ask them to do something else? I didn't know how to communicate. Yeah. I did not know how to communicate what I wanted in during sex. 
And that's really sad. That's, But I think that's for a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people. Um, there were some stats written in your book about um, heterosexual relationships and faking <sighs> orgasms. So it, there was a 2019 study uh, where 59% of women faked orgasms. Uh, I reckon points. it's higher than that. It definitely is. They just don't want to be honest. They want to expose themselves. They were probably with their boyfriend at the yeah. time. <laughs> He can't see that I'm picking the wrong box. box. Uh, 44.6% said they did it to bring sex to an end. Oh, yeah. Which I mean, is we've all done that. Incredibly relatable. Yeah. Um, and 57% said they didn't want their partner to, they wanted their partner to feel successful. Therefore, faking orgasms equals to stroke the man's fragile ego. Um, interesting facts. I think every woman, yeah, can, can relate. 100%. Mm-hmm. And isn't it just bizarre that, like, if you wanted sex to end, where was the part in school that said, if you're not enjoying it anymore, yeah, just stop. I know. Just say, hey, can you get off me? I'm yeah. not really feeling it. I know. It it's, wasn't there. It's quite sad, that, isn't it? And that's why, you know, we di- I didn't feel I had autonomy over my body mm-hmm. because it wasn't for me. Yeah. It wasn't for me. And that is really, you know, even saying it now, I feel emotional. I missed out on so much fucking fun. Yeah. That's sad. It is really sad. It's t- it's a tough realisation, isn't it? Yeah. So you have daughters. I do. What are your conversations like about sex with them? Because I suppose in some ways you were part of the cycle where it's like women are there to please the man. Are you breaking that? I imagine you are breaking that cycle. Oh, man, I'm trying to. As a parent, Mm. it's really hard because teenagers don't want to listen to their fucking parents, do they? I do try and leave, like, books and stuff around. Yeah. (laughs) Just strategically. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think about my dynamic with discussing sex when I was younger and my I was telling you about how my mum's very prudish mm. has always been and mm. you know would slightly shame sometimes me and my sister about you don't talk about that and no I don't want to hear that and that's disgusting and all of this yeah um whereas I had a sister who was <laughs> unapologetic about the older sex. Old younger uh. two years and it was always I gave this guy a blowjob and all of this. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and I have to say, like, she was a massive part Mm. of me feeling comfortable talking about sex. Brilliant. Um, And even though my mum didn't like it, we Mm. still did it. We were like, you know, this is, you know, she was really a massive part of me feeling comfortable on the topic. So even with your two daughters, if the younger one is a little bit more sort of like having that conversation with you and open to it, you never know, like it might encourage the other one to be like, oh, okay, if I see this sister doing it, then the other sister is like, yeah, fine, it's okay. But my sister forced it out of me. (laughs) It was really, she made me have a lot of difficult conversations I didn't want to have. Oh, okay. And that's the thing. Right. If we are just having conversations, it's got to permeate in some way, hasn't yeah. it? I'm not going to sit her down. I'm not going to hold pin her down and force her to, like, show me where the clitoris is on this diagram. But if it's just if she knows it's not something we do in hushed tones, mm-hmm. if she knows that 
she can come to me with questions. Yeah. That's so much more than I ever had, yeah. you know? And it takes away that shameful aspect that means that, look, it's on the table. I'm happy to talk about it if you want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we we learn a lot. I think about if I couldn't feel with if I didn't have my sister and I didn't feel comfortable, the places that I was learning it from would have been films or porn because it wasn't discussed very often. So it was sex education at school, films or porn. And that is so unrealistic because obviously we all know with porn, it's like the orgasm has the orgasm happens for the woman within a few thrusts. It's exactly the same time as the man. Mm. There's no like oral pleasure or anything. And yeah, for me, that would have been the worst thing to learn. But that is what I learned when I was younger. Yeah, I think That's, most of us did. Yeah. So for women who feel <clears throat> a stigma around being unable to reach orgasms, what advice would you give them? If that's sort of what they've learned it from, how would you... How, how, what advice do you give? I mean, first of all, orgasms isn't the only goal. Yeah. I think we, there's much, there, there is a real focus on reaching orgasm. And I think that is quite a sort of masculine perspective mm -hmm. because actually, it sounds so cliche, but the journey is honestly really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And if we don't just focus on the end thing, we can actually just enjoy being present mm -hmm. at that time. Um, lots and lots and lots of women have difficulty orgasming. And that is not based on our biology. Mm -hmm. Women can actually orgasm just as easily as men can, mm -hmm. but we aren't taught how to help ourselves orgasm yeah. or and men aren't taught how to help us orgasm if we're having heterosexual sex mm -hmm. so um it's tricky there's a lot of social conditioning that doesn't help us and we are very much in our heads often which really doesn't help us orgasm mm -hmm. so it's about going back to basics i don't feel awkward communicating to somebody what my needs are but a lot of people do do oh, feel i tough. have i've it's been a year it's been a fucking lifetime of unlearning i've really struggled yeah really struggled but i'm so much better now maybe yeah. a bit too good <laughs> <laughs> i have to i think the same so again with i'm like my, hold up natalie you need to like yeah yeah with so i okay my advice on this topic with communicating you know what you like and what you don't like mm. i always say don't personally for me I found it's better to not do it in the moment um I think sometimes if you're like uh I didn't I don't like when you do that and I don't like when you do, it can come across like a really negative experience yeah so I'll sort of be like oh not that or you know I won't communicate it particularly in the moment but what I will do is then go away and then when we're in a totally non-sexual situation I'll just be like this is this is what I really like. And I always start with what I really like. I'm like, mm. this is what you're doing right. Mm. And then I'll slip in like maybe the one thing or the other thing that I'm not massively keen on and just be like, the reason being is because of this yeah, or this. And like, I've never had a bad response doing it that way. And often I then invite them to like do the same back. And I'm like, tell Brilliant. me what you like. 
Tell me what you don't like. This is this is this is amazing. That is great. But also, do you see how we are quite nervous yes. and scared of yeah. doing it? Because ultimately, in the moment, you should be able to say, I don't like that. Yeah. And not be worried about their ego getting yeah. dented. You know, we are often really worried about how we communicate things. And I, I just want a partner who gets what I mean. Yeah. And not feel hurt by it because not everyone is good yeah it is not it's not really personal no it's, it's not it's everything it's personal is about, to us it's about you it's not about them exactly and I think that's where maybe sometimes men don't understand but the reason being is that if I'm enjoying everything else and there's this thing that I'm not keen on and I sort of edge them away from it yeah the reason I wouldn't be like stop I don't like that don't do that da, 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 is because i from my experience with men, they'll just flop. And I'm like, no, I want the experience to keep going. But I think it will be, it would be like a bit shocking. And it's more yeah, from my perspective that I yeah. want to continue without then them getting in their head and stopping yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. That's why I feel like being neutral and stepping away. I, like, I agree, like critiquing or going over the experience afterwards away from the actual experience is really useful as well. Mm. But also we should be talking to whoever we're going to have sex with before we even have sex. Mm -hmm. We should be asking questions like, how do you like to be touched? What do you like? What don't you like? You know, it doesn't sound particularly sexy, but it can be really fucking sexy. I think sexy. it can, for sure. Especially if they're like rubbing your feet at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. and you're building that yes. momentum up and you're literally giving them a manual to your body. Exactly. Where is the conversation I really like beforehand? That idea. I know. That's Thank that's a you. really good idea. <laughs> that's, that's my little gift to you. Okay, I like that. <laughs> Let me know how it goes. <laughs> We've spoken a little bit about porn and I guess your views on it. I personally find it, and I didn't realise this until maybe two years ago, it's very incestuous. Have you realised that? <laughs> what, you mean the stepdad shit? The 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 my stepsister's mother's friends fucking my da, 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 da. oh god yeah it's Where, horrendous what what weird men are coming up with these directing these situations like it's bizarre like the question I often ask is is what is what's the catalyst for these um, what do you call them, genres. Is it society that is influencing porn? Is it porn that's influencing society? Well, clearly it's getting clicks. Exactly, that's what I mean. These are the most popular genres in porn. Yeah. So is it society that is sort of making those popular? Or it's such a... It's, it's, and then you're like, that's fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, so... You start looking at things like your stepbrother thinking, you freak. No. How do... <laughs> Did you watch Sister? <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> oh, it makes my skin crawl. Um, anyway, but it is bizarre, it's probably best we don't it? actually think about that. No, I know, isn't it disgusting? T Georgie, tell me what 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 porn are you into at the moment? <laughs> you know the answer to this. I was saying before we started recording that I. I had an obsession for actually I want to say the best part of two years and it's still my favourite kind of porn Hi. Yeah. Um, which is yoni massage so for anyone who doesn't understand what yoni is it means it's like another word for vulva yeah basically. vulva vagina you know I mean they're used a bit interchangeably now but yeah 
Yeah, so it's a vulva massage. So, yeah, the, my top search would always be yoni massage and it would most likely always be a man massaging a woman and would always start with just like her body, not even yes. going straight there. And it sort of slowly leads that way, which is like the build up that it's I really like. Bit. And then it does sometimes end in sex. Yeah. And I'm OK with that. I, yeah, me I, too. Yeah, I quite like that. So you had a yoni massage and I you did. said it was a very different experience to what porn portrays it as. It is. But we would probably have a similar porn search history okay. because I'm also I also like that on porn. <laughs> um, but my yoni massage was more to do with like sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, it was done by a woman and it was not sexy in the slightest. Mm -hmm. Because, um, again, remember I talked about um, feeling disconnected from my body. Mm -hmm. So basically, the first time she did the yoni massage, when she inserted her finger inside, it was numb. Really? Yeah. I actually fell asleep because I couldn't feel anything. You didn't realise her finger was inside. No, I knew. <laughs> I don't understand. No, I knew it was inside me because she said and she got consent every single step of the way. Right, okay. <laughs> that would be weird. Um, but um, she was inside me and kind of massaging around the vaginal wall mm -hmm. and I could hardly feel it. I could hardly feel it. And she said that is not uncommon with people who have experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. They go into shutdown. They're, they become disconnected. Okay. And um, that was one of the symptoms that I had. So my yoni massage was about getting myself to feel again. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not like, that's not to say... When I had sex, I didn't know that there was a dick inside me. I did know. No, the, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. There was a, a block. Yeah, massive. Yeah. And and that was trauma. That was mm -hmm. about trauma. So it's, it's, and it's not uncommon. But so, so, so what I'm saying is, is my porn liking of yoni massage and my actual experience of it are very, very different. So on the topic of sexuality, uh, there's a chapter in your book on sexuality. You ask the question, is your, is your sexuality built on social expectations or is it reflective of your innermost desires? You answer this by saying, I believe that sexuality is fluid, ever-changing and evolving. Um, what points? What point in your life did you realise that you were wanting to explore women? Hmm... I think I've always had an attraction to women. I don't think I recognised what it was because it just wasn't on the table, mm -hmm. you know. I didn't think that that was um, part of the selection or the buffet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think, I, do I use that analogy in the book? I often talk about this. You know, I had one set path and it was find somebody, get, get married, have, have kids, children. get a car, get a house, all that bullshit. And I did that and then I discovered I wasn't particularly happy. Mm -hmm. And had I known that there was more options out there, I think I would have dabbled more mm -hmm. at a younger, as soon as I become kind of sexually attracted, to people um so I think it's just always been there I've kind of like you know do I did what most girls did like snogged women when you get drunk, drunk. Yeah. yeah but 
Yeah, I think I always wanted something a little bit more deeper than that. And I wanted to enjoy an emotional connection. Mm -hmm. I think one of my problems is, or not a problem, but one of the things that has inhibited me slightly with understanding my sexuality is I'm not necessarily attracted to people just by looking at them. I don't just look at somebody and think, I want to fuck you. And, um, And that's called demisexual. I need to get to know you I need to get under your skin I need Mm. to know how your mind works I need to have really good deep honest conversations with you before Mm. I find you sexually attractive right so that is a little bit tricky to navigate because sexuality it's so like there's so many layers to it Mm. it's really not just about genitals meeting you know there's so many different aspects to it yeah so I believe that you can have a connection with anyone and it could actually end up being a sexual connection yeah I think the point is is that there's always room for exploration and 100% if you're open to doing that without feeling any sort of shame attached to it or you just want to explore and be free and liberated in it like why not exactly amazing well let's wrap this up thank you so much for coming on i feel like this has been such a good podcast i could talk to you for like another 24 hours definitely we could (laughs) now i want to hear all your tales (laughs) don't worry i'll tell you i can use names this time um yeah thank you so much for coming on uh where can where can people get your book um everywhere yeah feeling myself by natalie lee um it's everywhere like waterstones amazon yeah all the big bookshops and natalie has a page called style me sunday on instagram it's great you talk a lot about connecting with your body uh, kind of would you say spirituality Uh, do i yeah maybe a little bit yeah that's more stories i would say yeah i was looking at some (laughs) of your stories so if that is of interest go and check out her page and yeah thank you so much for coming that was the best thank you 